Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, we are closing down the 2022 early signing day uh, for uh, this one of the best recruiting classes that Carolina has ever put together. Along with me to do that is our recruiting analyst here at the Heel Tough Blog and the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It is Zach Hubbard with us. And Zach, uh, this is a, a, a really entertaining day for sure for many people throughout the country. Um, you know, you had the number one prize prospect in the entire nation flip from Florida State uh, to Jackson State. So uh, what a huge day overall, but especially for the Tar Heels, nothing too uh, you know, unexpected. Pretty much everybody that Carolina expected was going to sign did sign, um, and they put together a 17-guy uh, class uh, that is arguably the best that Carolina has had in the modern recruiting era. So uh, a big day for Mac Brown and his staff. Yeah, absolutely. Just looking at the overall numbers for this class, comes in ranked at number eight in the country currently, number one in the ACC, uh, which is surprising when you look at the number of commitments at only 17. This is a high-value class. This is a class, you know, top to bottom that is filled with quality uh, instead of just mere quantity. And as you mentioned, just in terms of the pure numbers, it's the highest rated, I believe, that Mac Brown has had in his second tenure with the Tarpons. Yes, and uh, I mean, look, Carolina has definitely put together some good classes, even in his first time around. But of course, back then, you didn't have the recruiting services that you have now. So in the modern recruiting era, this actually does rank as the best class in Tar Heel program history. Um, three sites, of course, on three recruiting is a new site that has sort of, sort of entered um, the recruiting groups here uh, this year with uh, them taking a, a bunch of really 
really good analysts from some of the other websites and uh, bringing up some new people as well. So uh, three of them, including all on three, 24-7 sports and rivals, all have Carolina as the number eight class in the country. And then you do have ESPN that has Carolina as the number 10 class in the country. But either way, Carolina in elite territory. As you mentioned, Zach, this class does finish first in the ACC. Now, some people may be saying, well, that probably is because they got a little bit of a boost from Clemson, losing Brent Venables uh, and Tony Elliott, two head coaching jobs. Carolina was in position to take that number one class in the ACC even before that. And even if all those guys would have stayed committed, Carolina probably would have still finished with the number one class. Because as you mentioned, this class, um, at, at, at last check, and I don't know if it has changed with the addition of Will Hardy, which we'll talk about him here in a minute, along with uh, you know all the other guys. It, we, this class ranks fifth in terms of the average ranking of the players according to 24-7 sports composite rankings. So uh, this is truly an elite class. Um, and, and, and as you mentioned, if this was a bigger class, if this was a normal size class that Carolina was taking on instead of 17, which is one of the smaller ones that they've taken on in recent memory, uh, this would be a class that would probably be ranked inside of the top five. So, you know, when you look at, at all this talent that is coming in for Carolina, uh, this is this is certainly one of those types of classes that you think um, can kind of get them, you know, in in position uh, if they can execute on the field to get where they want to go. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a class that went out and sought to fill key needs. Um, you know, going into this cycle, uh, we did look and see, um, you know, what are what is the running back situation going to be with Michael Carter, Javante Williams, you know, off to the NFL? Well, they went out and they got two uh, top uh, 150 running backs. We looked at the offensive line, the offensive line both uh, before the season and during the season was a question. And we looked at, well, what are we going to get in terms of the offensive line? They went out and got a five-star offensive tackle, number one tackle in the country in Zach Rice. Uh, you look at... Uh, the defensive line, it's, it's a, you know, an area where they've looked at and said, you know, we need to add talent here. We, we see what they're doing in places like, you know, Clemson and Ohio State. We want to build that talent. And obviously they've done so in the past few classes with guys like Miles Murphy, Jabari Redsey, Keyshawn Silver. But they've really been missing that piece in the middle, the elite piece, you know, mm -hmm. both as uh, an interior pass rusher and as a run stopper. And they went out and they got a five-star uh, offensive or a defensive, excuse me, tackle in Travis Shaw. So you look at um, you look at the different areas of of where they wanted to add talent to, of where they wanted to add bodies to, and they really went out and prioritized those spots, got guys local, and, you know, they've added talent to really sort of um, add more nuance and add more depth to their roster here. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is not only did they need depth, but they needed talented depth, and it feels like they got that. Um, you know, I think edge rusher was another area where they really, really needed guys um, in this class. And look, we don't know. I think Malachi Hamrick is kind of one of those guys that because he you know got a got a look this year at linebacker, you kind of wonder if he is going to be an edge rusher with how thin he is off the edge. But Carolina is in a position where now, because of what they brought in in this class, uh, that they. 
they have that flexibility with him because you've got Bo Atkinson, you've got Bryson Jennings who are going to be able to contribute for you at edge rusher, you would think, sooner rather than later. And there's you know a multitude of different styles as well. Even if they keep Malachi Hamrick there, you've got a guy in Hamrick that's going to be your speed rusher off the edge. You've got Bo Atkinson who's going to be a little more of your physical, um, you know, hair on fire type uh, defensive end. And then you'll have, of course, a guy in Bryson Jennings who's a little bit of a hybrid of the two. He's, you know, got a little bit of power to him, but also a little bit of finesse and has some nice speed off the edge. So Carolina did a really good job of mixing it up with the guys that they got in this class. At cornerback, I thought that was huge as well to be able to, of course, get Tayon Holloway uh, early on. He was the second commit in the class after uh, Doc Chapman, uh, who is, of course, uh, on the offensive side of the football as a slot receiver. So you've had him for a long time. He's a guy that you've uh, been able to hold on to and you think fits your system very, very well. And then you get Marcus Allen, who is now looking like he's going to be able to stay at corner, which I think is the better position for him. And I think the area he'll be able to help you at the most just from watching his tape coming out of high school because of how good he is in one-on-one coverage. And you can do that because you get Will Hardy in its safety, which I think was a spot that kind of became a need as well. The defensive backs, uh, that was an area where Carolina lost a couple of guys that they weren't expecting. You, of course, have the graduation of Trey Morrison back there. And there's still the issue of inconsistency. So Carolina, to be able to add Will Hardy in this class and and get a safety even after it looked like they had missed on a lot of their other major targets, that was a a great job done by the staff. Really quick, quickly, let's, uh, you know, I wanted to get your opinion on Will Hardy. You know, I I previewed uh, signing day last night. um, And, uh, you know, I talked a little bit about what I thought Hardy brought to the table. What did you think of his commitment to Carolina, the ability to get him to flip there? Um, what do you think he brings to the table for uh, Carolina? Um, because I think there's there's definitely a, a really strong skill set there and some versatility as well. Yeah, I think that versatility is really the name of the game when you look at Will Hardy. I mean, if you look at the different recruiting services, about, about each one has him at a different position. Some have him at wide receiver, some have him at safety, some have him just as an athlete. And that's probably where I classify him just in terms of where I think he slots. But he really gives you a versatile option. I think that they're recruiting him primarily at safety. I think he played primarily on that back end. But he can come into the box as well. Um, and, you know, could he play some, you know, fifth defensive back star nickel? Potentially, yeah. When you have that sort of versatility, it gives you options in terms of what you want to do. So I think, um, obviously, he's quick. I think that's one of the big things. Yeah. I think he's a willing tackler, which is good as well. I think he's willing to do a lot of different things. So he's a guy that you could see, you know, if he can get into the strength and conditioning and sort of build that muscle mass early, he's a guy that you could see early on special teams. He's a guy that maybe you see, you know, in the return game potentially. Um, And I think another thing to mention, which is something that is um, always a plus for defensive backs, is having that offensive background uh, in terms of, you know, being able to catch the football, being able to understand how offenses work, mm-hmm. having good hands. I think that those are all things that are almost always a plus uh, for defensive backs to have. Um, so, you know, when, when, 
when we discussed him, we sort of discussed him in the same breath as another defense back in Georgia, uh, Jake Pope, that North Carolina was recruiting. And these are not, you know, the same player, of course. This is not, um, they're, they're not the exact same, but they do have some similarities. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, when you look at the things that we discussed with Pope in terms of his uh, willingness to do, you know, basically anything on a football field, his speed and versatility, I think you see a lot of those same things out of Will Hart. Yeah, I, I think the only difference really between the two is I think that Jake Pope is a, a little bit more of an in-the-box safety than, than Hardy is, so I think he can help you potentially a little bit more um, in run defense. But the other thing is, is I mean, if you look at their stats from this year, Hardy is the better player, to be honest with you, just based on the stats that he has this season. Now, of course, he doesn't play at as high of a level in the state of Georgia as Jake Pope does, but, you know, he had 133 total tackles this year, 14 tackles for loss. The best thing about him is his speed. He plays uh, the, the the game at an extremely quick pace. Um, and and look, I think that some people are wondering, well, you know, if he if he plays that way, he probably takes a lot of risks. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely takes some some really uh, advanced angles that you got to have the speed to be able to capitalize on. But he does very often on film, um, and I think the best thing about him is is if this is a guy that you're putting back there uh, as you know a guy playing in, in a deep zone or something like that he can cover so much space so quickly and he makes plays on the football that he w- would be you know a guy that could eventually factor in at free safety and you'd feel pretty confident in um, you know the good thing about him is that uh, he's definitely probably a guy that you're going to have to bring in probably add a little bit of weight to um, you know there's still some things that you probably want to get a little more fine-tuned with him, but he is a very valuable member of special teams. He was this past season at Greater Atlanta Christian School. Um, he blocked three three field goals. He also uh, did some of the returning for that team this past season. So there's a lot of different value that he brings to the table for you in this class. And uh, I, I think the other thing that, that I've talked about with him is when he does get on the field um, and the way he may get on the field for Carolina on the defensive side of the football is that he's a playmaker. Carolina is still looking for those defensive playmakers Um, and they've got some guys in this class that uh, definitely seem like they could fit uh, that mold and I think it starts up front with Travis Shaw you know we touched on him a little bit but this is one of Carolina's biggest prospects that they've ever landed if not the biggest prospect that they've ever landed Um, considering you know the type of impact that we think he's going to be able to have the need for a, a guy like him in the middle of this defense and yeah, you said it. He can kind of do everything for you. He's a two-gap run stopper, which is what Carolina needs in their nose tackle. Um, that that's been one of the biggest things. Is you know we've seen moments where Ray Vosick has been able to create you know pressure. Um, that's probably been the strength of him over the past couple of seasons is being able uh, to get after the quarterback out of the, that nose tackle position. But they need a guy that can do a little bit of both. And Travis Shaw can get after the quarterback, but he can also be 
that run stopper that you need in the middle of the defense. I think the thing is, a lot of people are kind of wondering where he fits in on the depth chart, but I think you might be with me on this one, Zach. I think he kind of fits that nose tackle position better than anybody that's on the current roster, and I think that as long as he can get in there as an early enrollee and uh, do what he's got to do in the weight room to you know, be able to add a little bit more of the strength that you need for the college level, it's going to be hard not to play him this upcoming season. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think when you look at just the overall depth of the roster, I mean, like you mentioned, Ray Bohasek, not likely to return. I think I think he can't return uh, with, um, I think he's used his super senior year. So I think, you know, he's one of the guys that you're going to be missing. We haven't really seen a ton from Jaleel Taylor up to this point in his career. So really the main guy that we've seen sort of play that nose guard position would be Kevin Hester. He sort of turned it on a little bit here at the end of the year in 2021, but that's really it. Uh, when you look at uh, you know nose guard, maybe you see if you can fit a guy like maybe Keyshawn Silver, maybe Kendrick Mingley Jones in that position if they're healthy and ready to go in 2022. But you know it's probably not their natu- natural position. So I think that the snaps are very much there for. Uh, Travis Shaw to step in right when he gets on campus. Obviously, you don't want to put that expectation on the guy. And as we've mentioned mm-hmm. before, he's a guy that you're going to need to get in in strength and conditioning and sort of figure that out. But, you know, I think that the snaps are there just based on a numbers perspective, just based on, you know, it's a position that they don't really have a ton of guys at. It's not a, a full room uh, specifically for nose guard. So I think he's got a good chance as really any guy on the roster outside of maybe Kevin Hester to sort of, you know, take the reins in the middle of that defensive line and uh, be the guy going forward. Yeah, I think, you know, there is probably some thought that you could maybe see Miles Murphy there. I think he probably uh, still fits a little bit better at um, that that four-eye technique that we've talked so much about over the last few seasons, uh, especially with it looking like Jay Bateman is going to be around for the 2022 season as the defensive coordinator. Uh, Yeah, with Kevin Hester, the thing about Kevin Hester is most of the times when we saw him this year, it was situational pass rushing down. So I don't think he's the guy that's going to be able to clog the middle of that defense. Another guy that was there uh, that got a little bit of run there was Christian Varner. He's no longer with the Tar Heels. He entered the transfer portal. So you're right. The depth there really isn't all that great. I don't know if he's going to start there. I think you might see Miles Murphy start there to begin the season, especially if you can see somebody like Javari Ritzy sort of take another step forward. Um, you could see, you know, Ritzy, Rucker, and then Miles Murphy there. But I definitely think there is going to be a point in the season where Travis Shaw is going to play and probably play a lot uh, because he, he just has the feel of that type of player that can come in and make that immediate of an impact. And we talked about how big it was for Carolina to land him. This is, you know, kind of, he fits a similar mold to what Dexter Lawrence was, a guy that Carolina let get out of state to the team that they were having to fend off in this recruitment, Clemson. Um, you know, they didn't end up having to fend off Clemson in the battle for the guy on the other side, but they did have to fend off some other pretty big, 
big-time uh, schools that were coming after him, as well as the hometown team, Virginia. But Carolina does officially land the signature from offensive tackle Zach Rice today. Another five-star prospect and a guy that I think Carolina fans are looking to and hoping that he can come in and make an immediate impact right out of the gate. A lot of people probably wanted to be a tackle, but you know when we talked about him, Zach, we looked at him and said, this is a guy that definitely has the physical attributes. Um, he plays with the, you know a good physical edge, very athletic. But I wonder if for him, you know, if we see him this year, could he be better suited uh, at playing guard this year, uh, which is a little bit easier for him to work in. And I think he's got the physical the physical mindset uh, to be able to play in there. So, uh, do you think that's an area where we could see him, you know, early on in his career during the spring and, and into next fall? Uh, where he could potentially earn some reps. Yeah, I think that he absolutely could. Uh, really play any position outside center. I probably wouldn't put him there. But, you know, mm-hmm. tackle or guard on that offensive line, I, I think that they're going to just put him out there and say, you know, we, we want you on the field. I, I'm not going to – same with Travis Shaw. I'm not going to predict, you know, a starting role for him immediately or even in his first year. I'm really not going to do that for any freshman unless it is absolutely obvious. Uh, but in this instance, I think he is a guy just based on his talent pedigree that they're going to want to put out there and say, we want the five best guys on the field, and you're a guy that we're going to put wherever you know you can go just to get you on the field. So whether that be you know offensive tackle, whether that be guard, if they have, you know, they move these guys around, and as we sort of see... Obviously, this past week, we saw Jordan Tucker decide uh, to declare for the NFL draft. We've seen guys graduate or go through senior day, and there's guys still sort of mulling over their decision in terms of that. There's really going to be a lot up for grabs on that offensive line in 2022, and, you know, Zach Rice could fit in any number of those roles. If I had to put a... You know, sort of a wager on where I think he ends up uh, on that line, or what's the most likely spot? You know, that right tackle spot that Jordan Tucker was holding down—that makes the most sense, just because it's the one that's most clearly open at this point. Uh, but really, any spot—you know, it could be left tackle, it could be one of the guard spots. I, I think that they're going to get him on the field. I think he's probably a little bit more ready than Travis Shaw at this point in terms of both a you know technique and then strength and conditioning uh, aspect. I, I think that they're going to put him out there and say, you know, you go find your spot, uh, and, and we'll go from there. Well, and the other thing that I find, which it, which I really find interesting, is that you know I, I've said it a couple of times on here is that it's different for offensive and defensive linemen. Those trench, you know, guys, even if they come in as four and five star prospects, it's harder for them to get on the field early on in their career because the level of physicality is just different. But it seems like over the past couple of years, you're starting to see more and more freshmen there, mainly on the offensive side of the football to begin the season. I, I, I've noticed that through going through and looking at some of these other teams that Carolina has faced, you see a lot of true freshmen on the offensive line in there early on. And I think one of the areas you see them are, are on the interior because the learning curve is a little bit easier there. Um, that's interesting that you see him at right tackle. I mean, look, he's got the talent to play out there at right tackle. Um, I wonder, you know, they do have William Barnes coming back. So is 
it, it finally his time to sort of shine out there at right tackle. He played a pretty significant role there when they took Jordan Tucker out a couple of times during the season. Um, but I think the thing is, is that, yeah, I, I think you're right because I... I'm not so sure if Jordan Tucker is getting good enough reviews that he feels like he's ready to go to the NFL. And and look, part of it may be because, as he mentioned, he has been there five years. So maybe he just doesn't really want to come back and go through another year there. He feels like he's accomplished all that he can and he's ready to move on. But if he's getting good enough reviews, you would feel like Joshua Zudu for sure is probably going to get better reviews than, than Jordan Tucker. No slight to Jordan Tucker. Zudu... It's just the better offensive lineman overall. And, you know, even Marcus McKeithen, I think he has a pretty good case that he might be a better overall prospect than Jordan Tucker. So if those positions get freed up, there's going to be opportunities here. Another area where there will be opportunities is in that backfield. You look at George Petaway. Uh, he, he's a guy that comes out of the state of Virginia where Carolina had plenty of success, as, as you know, Zach Rice shows as well. Um, and, and he's kind of the, the speedier back, the guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield um, and, and has some shiftiness to him. There's a lot of different things that he can do. Uh, really good speed. And then he sort of counters with... Amarian Hampton, who has drawn some comparisons to Javante Williams. Those are really steep comparisons, especially with the fact that Javante Williams is now not only um, you know com coming off that amazing career that he had at Carolina uh, over the final two years of his career there, but then now he's becoming one of those household names in at the NFL level. Still, good physical running back, has a good mix of speed and power, um, and really is a volume guy. He was a workhorse back at, at the high school level at Cleveland High School in Clayton, North Carolina, um, and his numbers are outstanding. So uh, the, these guys, you know, are, are you know they they work well with each other, um, and it feels like look outside of. You know, maybe British Brooks here, if he can, if he can continue his great finish to the season, and finds a way to you know close out with another strong performance. Carolina doesn't have really any known commodities in the backfield because you know we've seen some of DJ Jones, but he's been banged up. We saw a little bit of Caleb Hood, but then he got banged up. So Carolina's looking for guys in that backfield. I don't think that they're going into the transfer portal. That's not an area where they've shown really any interest in guys so far. Um, so it, it looks like, Zach, there may be an opportunity for one, if not both of these guys, to step up in their freshman season and earn some playing time. Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, I mean, it, you've obviously seen British Brooks turn it on. You have guys like D.J. Jones and Caleb Hood. And Hood was a guy they liked a whole lot coming out of spring. Mm -hmm. Those guys are banged up. We really don't know what their status is, either you know, really for the bowl game or into 2022, and, and with uh, running backs, wide receivers. When they have those sort of injuries, we don't know how they're going to return. We don't know what their speed, vertically or laterally, is going to be like. We don't know what their burst is going to be like. So it's really one that you have to continue to watch and determine what's going to happen there. But yeah, I think both of these guys in George Petway and Amara Hampton, I think those are big time players. Like you mentioned, they really complement each other in terms of their play style. Uh, Petway being more of the speed guy, a little bit shiftier, and then Amari and bringing that power. Uh, but I, I think that they both 
will have a chance early on to make their impression. Um, they still have a good amount of guys there in the running back room, so you know they are going to have to make the most of their opportunities. They're not going to have you know a wide open path to playing time, but I, I think just based on talent, it's going to be hard to keep them off the field, especially as the Tar Heels move into 2022. Sam Howell more likely than not moving on to the next level. Mm-hmm. They have Josh Downs there on the offense, but you know, really outside of Howell and Downs, they don't have a, a guy right now that they are really you know, 100% sold on as an offensive weapon. We saw Antoine Green sort of turn on a little bit at the end of the year, but you know, there's questions at wide receiver. We mentioned uh, Brooks, Jones, and Hood there at running back, and then at tight end, you know, we've seen some of Kamari Morales, we've seen some of, of Bryson Nesbitt, uh, but there's really one guy that they feel super, super confident in as a weapon, and that's Downs. So mm-hmm. they need some of these other guys to step up, and there's opportunities there. There's opportunities not only at running back, but at wide receiver, and all over this offense that, you know, I think George Petway or Marion Hampton are going to factor into that discussion of where's the next generation of target weapons on this offense. Yeah, and another group of guys that could factor into that as well. You've got uh, Andre Green Jr. on the outside, big-bodied wide receiver. Kind of the thing that Carolina is lacking right now in their wide receiving core. And then you've got Tyshawn Chapman, Doc Chapman. He's the guy that's in the slot. Um, and, and and look, you know, it's hard to tell exactly what, you know, that the depth chart looks like there. But he is extremely quick, extremely shifty, and he is the definition of a slot receiver. Very similar to what we thought of Josh Downs. I don't know if he's going to be quite on the same level as Downs because that's a lot to ask. Josh Downs uh, was simply outstanding this year, but he fits that position like a glove. So when you look at those two guys, I mean, I think that, you know, especially for Chapman, it's going to be a little bit tougher because of some of the guys that are ahead of him on the depth chart. But I think Andre Green Jr., because of what he's able to do and because of what this offense is kind of lacking right now, he may have a chance to get in and and, and make an impact early on. Yeah, absolutely. I, and as we mentioned, you know, this wide receiver room is, is not settled in terms of all its positions. Now, there is what we believe to be quite a bit of talent there. But, you know, moving into 2022, you know, you've got downs. You think you've got Antoine Green is really, you know, another piece there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we don't know what this is going to be. We don't know who number three is. We don't know who four through six is going to be. And this is a, a offense that wants to, you know, rotate its wide receivers. They want to get multiple guys involved. So as we mentioned, you know, in previous editions of the podcast, there are multiple guys, you know, already on the roster. And then these freshmen in Doc Chapman and Andre, Andre Green Jr. that can really, you know, go out there and, and find a role early on. Is it a starting role? Maybe, maybe not. But I, I think, you know, that first six guys really are too deep. I think those spots are really wide open moving into 2022. And, and I think you see, you know, one or both of these guys, Chapman and Green, factor in there, mm-hmm. um, wherever that ends up being. I mean, it, it, at the slot position specifically, obviously you've got Gavin Blackwell that can factor in. We don't really know what he is as of yet. Like we looked yep. to redshirt this year, so you can see, you know, Doc Chapman sort of uh, move into that role potentially if he um, 
you know, can find a spot really within that two deep playing alongside Josh Downs. And on the outside, we really don't have a solid answer on who's going to be that other outside receiver. We saw it begin to be Justin Olsen more and more as the year went on. Uh, but it, I don't really think that we have a great picture of what he is as yet, even though we've seen him do some good things. Obviously, there's other guys in that room, but Andre Green, you know, that's a big talent. That's a big name. And skill positions are more often than not the uh, position on a football field that you can get on earliest. Yep. You know, that you can come in and find an impact just as, you know, an athlete of, you know, see ball, get ball, run these routes. So uh, I, I think that there's opportunities for both these guys. Um, it, it, it's yet to be seen, but uh, 2022 really feels like a year that's open for the taking for a lot of these young guys, not only in the 2022 class, but in these other classes that they can really you know step up and start to um, build this team build this roster build this identity that's all based on this new generation of players uh, that have been recruited specifically by Mac Brown yeah and and I also think that 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 could be an area that's worth monitoring in the transfer portal Carolina has definitely shown some interest in some guys already um, so I think really what that shows for the guys that are incoming here, which is what we're focused on today, is that, look, it really is wide open, like you mentioned. You brought in three wide receivers in this past class, and now one of them in in Gavin Blackwell is probably going to be battling Doc Chapman in the slot for reps there behind Josh Downs, but uh, you know, you got two guys on the outside, and J.J. Jones and and Kobe Paysauer. We saw a little bit more of Jones late in the season, but he didn't really you know, blow anybody's mind. Um, he didn't get a ton of opportunities, but even when he did, um, it wasn't like he was really lighting it up. Um, and then Paysauer, we didn't really see him at all. So there is a lot of unknowns here. And I think with, with Green Jr., it started to show late in the year that Carolina was really lacking that big red zone target. And I think Bryson Nesbitt is probably the guy on the roster right now that a lot of people look at um, when it comes to who could be that guy moving forward. Forward. Um, but I, I think that, you know, now with Andre Green Jr. a part of it, if you go back and watch his high school highlight tape, he is a jump ball receiver. He consistently wins those 50 50 balls. That is the majority of his highlight tape. So I think that he will have a really, really good opportunity to factor in here for Carolina this upcoming season because really they need to find ways to finish better in the red zone. That was a huge issue for Carolina down the stretch of the season that they simply weren't able to turn red zone opportunities into touchdowns. They had to settle for way too many field goals down the stretch of the season and it's definitely led to some frustrations for fans and probably from Mac Brown and Phil Longo uh, when it comes to the uh, end results because of that. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, I talked a little bit earlier about the uh, cornerbacks. You got Teon Holloway uh, and Marcus Allen, two guys that are both going to be, you know, good press corners. They have that capability on the outside. Um, you know, I think it's it's interesting, Zach, with these two guys. I don't know how much they're going to be able to factor in uh, right out of the gate. Again, it is a skill position, this time on the defensive side of the ball. So those are areas where you can see some guys get worked in. 
But I think that both of these guys, you're bringing in two talented guys that um, you are both four stars. That's an area where Carolina hasn't really been able to bring in, um, you know, some some really big names outside of, uh, you know, Tony Grimes. Storm Duck was a three-star prospect that really the the staff just kind of found a diamond in the rough with. These two guys, highly rated guys, they're probably, you know, not going to be needed right out of the gate. But as we've seen a couple of times, you know, over the past few seasons and really going back to the Larry Fedora era, uh, these these guys need to be ready to go because they may be needed at some point with the injury luck that Carolina has had, especially at the corner spots. Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned, I think one of the biggest things that we've seen at the cornerback position is that, you know, it's position for one reason or the other that's had injuries pop up mm-hmm. uh, and has had issues there and has needed guys to come in and step up. So, I, I mean, is this a position in which we see them compete, compete um, and, you know, produce immediately? Probably not, uh, just based on the depth there, but you never know. I mean, we, we obviously, you know, we've seen guys like um, like you mentioned, Tony Grimes and Stargott, they've really been the standout names there. We've seen a little bit of you know, Day-Day Hollins and Obi Laguna, but uh, other than that, you know, it, it, it's really up for grabs that a guy can come in and, and really make an impact for himself early in this room. It, it's one in which you know, you need uh, a two to three deep and you know, it, it's one in which um I think there will be opportunities there. Uh, if not there, then I think oh, the position that I'd probably look at, and you know, for some people may say that this is more of a you know more of a safety type role, but I think it's one in which you can um, put uh, you know guys that are corner at safety at is it, maybe a nickelback. Mm-hmm. If they want more of a guy that is a safety type there, you know, this renders this whole point you know uh, really kind of. Uh, non-relevant in this instance. But if they want to have a guy that's more of a corner there, you know, maybe you see Tayon Holloway get some run there early. Maybe you see a Marcus Allen, you know, that has experience and has been referred to both as a corner and a safety. Maybe you see him mm-hmm. uh, if you don't necessarily want Don Chapman to continue in that role. Or if you want another guy just to play, you know, as the second string in that role, just so that you have depth there. So I think that there's options in terms of how we see these guys be used. I think that we, you know, continue to see guys uh, get cross-trained to multiple positions. Obviously, we saw a guy I mentioned just a minute ago, Don Chatley, played a little bit outside the corner uh, when they had those injuries stacked yep. up. So I, I think that the defensive back room specifically, outside of a few names, I think it is a position that they want to have guys that can do multiple things and, and can play multiple positions yep. so that they they never have you know a, a key you know obvious weakness in that defensive backfield so I, I think those are sort of the opportunities that we can see for um, Holloway and for Allen you know as they get on campus and acclimate themselves to the college lifestyle yeah and I think nickel is, is is a good spot where you could see those guys potentially work themselves in we've seen that be used before to work some guys in, um, you know, and, and sort of get them familiar. You're right, that's been a, a spot where you've seen a lot more safety development more than corner development. Um, you know, we saw 
Trey Morrison start there, move back to safety. Jaquarius Conley more than likely is going to move back to safety um, this season. You know, we saw him kind of bounce back and forth between there, but next season he'll probably be back there um, full time, especially with the fact that Carolina is just looking for some consistency on the back end of that defense. But um, yeah, I, I think that you could see both of these guys potentially factor in there. I think Holloway, you know, with the, with the, with him being a little bit smaller, he's only six foot, 165 pounds. Um, that's probably the guy you look at more there uh, than Allen, who's a little bit bigger, got a bigger frame on him, can probably play on the outside uh, if needed. But um, you know, the other thing can't forget about DeAndre Boykins, who is in there. Probably looks like he's the guy that's next in line to sort of take over uh, that that nickel role, and he was a guy that honestly fit that role perfectly. He played a lot of it in high school. Um, really likes to hit, but really good cover guy as well. So uh, we'll, we'll see what, where both of those guys can sort of factor in. You know, a guy that's that's highly rated that's going to be interesting here. Um, and we'll actually talk about two guys here are the two linebackers that Carolina has in this class. First, you've got four-star linebacker Sebastian Cheeks. Um, he's a guy that looks to be a really good fit um, as the in interior linebacker for uh, the Tar Heels uh, for Jay Bateman's system. Covers sideline to sideline uh, and is definitely a problem for people in space. Um, is not you know, the guy that can really drop back into coverage uh, as well as the other guy in this class can uh, in Deuce Caldwell. Um, for Deuce, he, you know, a guy that fits the system just really, really well. Not a guy that uh, coming in is, is I think, going to wow a bunch of people. I think he's a guy that's still going to be a little bit of a work in progress, especially with the fact that he is a little bit smaller. So he's probably going to fit in as a guy that's going to start on special teams and have to work his way up. And it makes sense because Carolina's got Cedric Gray, who really took on a big role this season and became Carolina's best, honestly, best defensive player as the season went along. Um, and then you've got, you know, Power Eccles who's in there. Looked really good in the limited reps that we saw him. We expect him to play a pretty big role this upcoming season along with Ra Rod Dilworth who we were both extremely excited about last year and he has flashed uh, in the times that he's been on the field and has just been raved about. Um, listen to Jeremiah Gimmel earlier this week. He was talking before the bowl game. He brought up Ra Rod Dilworth once again as the first guy when they asked him about some of the other linebackers in the room. So those three guys, I think it's going to make it tough for these guys to really have a big role out of the gate. But Cheeks has the talent, I think, to get there as well. What do you think about these two linebackers and the roles they'll potentially play early on? Yeah, I really like both of these guys. And, um, you know, for me, I always love looking at inside linebackers. You look at some of these, you know, top-end defenses, they, they tend to have guys in the middle that are – you know, calling the shots or getting the guys in line and then are, you know, laying the lumber and, uh, and really playing that role. And I think that you have really two guys here that um, offer that sort of versatile package that we've uh, become accustomed to seeing. Who's Caldwell specifically has that background at safety uh, that will give him some, you know, flexibility and versatility just in terms of coverage as a linebacker, uh, but just in, ter in terms of what their opportunities are at the beginning on the field. I mean, you look at sort of the numbers of inside linebacker. You mentioned Cedric Gray, you know, as one of the better defenders on the defense this fall. You mentioned Power Eccles and Rob Rodelworth, his true freshman that have minutes. There's really 
not much outside of that. Obviously, Jeremiah Gimmel will graduate and move on. Uh, Eugene Asante entered, entered the transfer portal. Uh, a guy in Ethan West came in as an inside linebacker, but we really heard more about him as an outside linebacker up until this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the snaps are there. I mean, you could see one of these guys, one of these freshmen, slot into the two deep immediately just out of necessity of needing bodies in there. So I imagine you, you see one or one or both of these guys factor into special teams immediately yep. just because that's where you generally see your inside linebacker start out is on special teams. Uh, and I think you see probably one or more of these guys play snaps, uh, maybe not starting snaps, of course, but you know, significant backup minutes. Uh, when you have the second unit in there, whatever that is in games, I think, yeah, absolutely. You see one or both of these guys. I'd probably lean on Cheeks, not only as the higher-ranked guy, but just the guy that has more of a background, specifically at linebacker, I think. Mm-hmm. Deuce Caldwell, coming from safety, he is going to have at least a little bit of time that he's still learning to play the position. But I think that these are both good prospects. They're, they're guys that can do a lot of things at the linebacker position, inside linebacker specifically. And I think they really fit that mold of what um, Tommy Thigpen and Jay Bateman have been looking for this defense of, you know, they want athletes at inside linebacker. They don't yeah. want these big, uh, you know, 260-pound guys uh, that we've seen in the past that are just, you know, in-the-box types. They want guys that can cover. They want guys that can run sideline to sideline. And I think they got two of those guys in Chiefs and Caldwell. Yeah, and, and uh, I think the biggest thing when it comes to what type of roles do they play early on is are Tommy Thigpen and Jay Bateman willing to rotate their linebackers more than they have so far in their first three years there. It's been, I mean, even this year, you, you saw the talented true freshman that came in, and, I mean, look, they impressed in the spring. We heard Mac Brown talk about him after the spring game uh, and how much they impressed him in the spring, how quickly they picked up on things. Heard about him in the fall, too. And we didn't see a ton of them on the field this past year because it just seems like that is the one position where Carolina does not rotate really at all. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not they start rotating there just a little bit more. Let's quickly talk about the edge rushers because I gave you, you know, my opinion on them a little bit earlier. You know, Malachi Hamrick's interesting because he's just so thin. His frame, I mean, he came into this season, and I don't know. It looks like he may have added a little bit more weight, but coming into the season, he was a 6'4", 205-pound edge rusher. Um, that is nowhere near going to cut it when it comes to playing uh, in the ACC. We've seen a guy in Des Evans who has had to add a ton of weight to his frame. He added over 30 pounds, and you can tell that he's still trying to work through playing at that weight and uh, you know being able to compete against some of these bigger offensive tackles that you know are more physical and can really just maul some of the smaller guys. So it's interesting with him because he played a little bit of linebacker. He's intriguing. The other two guys in the class, as I mentioned, you've got Bo Atkinson, uh, 6'6", 240. So another guy, he's probably got to add a little bit of weight to his frame, but really likes the physical aspect of the game. Good technical rusher as well. Um, So not a guy that's going to beat you with speed. He has to use a variety of different ways to be able to get after the quarterback. Uh, And he shows that multiple times on film. Also does a really good job helping uh, to contain the edge 
edge and run defense, something Carolina needs from their edge rushers and hasn't been getting so far uh, in the first three years under Jay Bateman. And then Bryson Jennings, sort of a hybrid of the two guys, has really good speed, 4-5-3 speed off the edge, but is also a guy that can play with a little bit of physicality and can mix it up in there. So very intriguing prospects at edge rusher. And Zach, it feels like these are guys that you know could potentially come in and play some roles early on because, look, you're losing uh, Tamon Hopper, who is – or Tamon Hopper, excuse me. I combined the two of them. Tamon Fox and Tyrone Hopper. Uh, Tamon Fox being one of the most productive pass rushers that you've had in program history. Um, and, and, and really outside of, of – Tamon Fox, a lot of the guys that played for you this year are still pretty big unknowns as well in guys like Chris Collins, who you know just hasn't had a ton of production so far, even though he's played a lot of snaps. And Des Evans looks like he's still a work in progress. So these guys look like there you know, could be some opportunities available for them to potentially step up and play a role for the Tar Heels here in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned, I think the key here is just there's a whole lot about this unit that we don't know. We feel like we're getting a handle on guys like Desmond Evans and Kamon Rucker that you mentioned. And Rucker's played a little bit in between defensive line and that outside linebacker position. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Collins, he's a guy that's been in the room for several years now. So, you know, we feel a little bit better uh, about where he is. And, and you really got those three names. And I mean, outside yep. linebacker, like defensive line, uh, in this defense, specifically as a position you want to rotate at quite a bit. So, you know, they're going to need some of these guys to really, you know, solidify themselves, uh, if not, you know, getting significant minutes, then just being a body there. I mean, we, like I mentioned, Ethan West is another name there. You had uh, the 2021 freshman and potentially Gabe Stevens and potentially Trevion Stevenson. Yep. Um, and then you have these trio of Hammer Jennings and Atkinson. Uh, probably all over the room it's going to be a continuation of adding weight we saw that with Evans we saw that with Rucker that's probably going to be the case so for that very reason it's going to be hard to project any one of these freshmen taking an immediate role on the edge just because it's been a position where you know guys have had to add weight there's really no been no way around it in terms of the outside linebacker position um I think each guy brings a different piece to the table. I think Hamrick is a little bit more flexible. Obviously, as you mentioned, is a little bit wider, a little bit slender. But I think that gives him a little bit more of a flexibility on the edge. I think he adds a speed rush element there. Uh, Bo Atkinson, like you mentioned, also probably needs to add some weight. But I think he plays a little bit bigger than his size. He plays like a guy that's really going to carry that weight well to be able to add more of a physical presence, more of an edge setting presence, which is something that Carolina has really lacked and really needs as a guy that that's going to keep that uh, line of scrimmage level and not let guys get to the outside and get upfield. And then, you know, Bryson Jennings, he's a guy that, that really is a balance between those two. So I, I think that North Carolina added a good balance mm-hmm. in terms of their edge rushers. Obviously, when you get three, um, you're, you're going to have some different skill sets there. Uh, but as we mentioned, the overall key, not only with these guys, but with the position in general, is the continue need to add weight and then just the variable unknown at this position outside of really those first two guys in Evans and Rucker. 
Well, let's uh, you know finish up. We head back to the offensive side of the football. Let's talk about first the two offensive tackles uh, in the class um, that you know are guys that are listed as offensive tackles. Um, they are three-star guys, but they kind of project uh, you know all over the offensive line. There's a little bit of position versatility to them. First, you got uh, Trevion Green out of Life Christian Academy in uh, Colonial Heights, Virginia. Um, big, big dude. 6'7", 349 pounds, and that is way down from where he was a couple of years ago. He was at 402 pounds at one point. He actually had to reclassify from the 2021 class to the 22 class as they continued to remake his body. So he's kind of one of those guys that I think Carolina took a little bit of a flyer on. Um, But at his size, I think he probably projects a little bit better as an interior guy, probably an offensive guard. Um, But, you know, Carolina wanting to add a little bit more beef there. I like this one. He's a guy that moves people out of the way. I mean, he is just an earth mover type. That's what Carolina wants on their offensive line, especially when it comes uh, to some of the run blocking scenarios that were, you know, pretty solid a year ago. You had some running backs uh, in, in, in Michael Carter and Javante Williams that made guys miss in different ways. But they were a much better run-blocking team a year ago than they were this year. This year, they really lacked that aspect. They need to be able to get that aspect back. Then you've got Justin Kanyuk. Uh, we've heard you know, in, in the past couple of days that this could be the future at center for Carolina. Um, you know, they are, you know, still probably looking at Caden Baker there, but I think Caden Baker might be needed a tackle with the fact that you do have Jordan Tucker moving on. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. You know, what, what either, you know, with either one of these guys are able to bring to the table, but it feels like Zach with these two guys works in progress that Carolina is bringing in, sort of took a flyer on, and and they'll see if they can turn into something uh, that that can be a valuable piece for them moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think work in progress is probably the best way to classify them at this point. And that's no slight to them. That's just, you know, we're seeing probably both these guys, as you mentioned, move from uh, where they're used to playing, you know, at offensive tackle at the high school position to different positions at the college level. Green, like you mentioned, just from a body composition standpoint, is probably better fit to play at offensive guard. You know, probably better fit to, um, you know, move people sort of from that position to really, um, you know, push people around as opposed to having to deal with, you know, sort of that edge speed. Um, and, and then, you know, now, like you mentioned, you know, he's a guy that can factor into center, and that's really the, what they've been looking at. You know, they've had, or felt like they've had some answers there at different points um, in the past few years with Brian Anderson and uh, Kieran Johnson, but it, it, it's really not a position that they've had fully healthy, you know, for a year in uh, in 2021 specifically, they really didn't have a guy that was consistently healthy. And, and they really don't know who they're going to have coming back in 2022. They really don't know what the situation is going to be. Um, so I think with that, you know, it, it's great that they went out and they're going to add a guy that has that potential to play center. That's really sort of the piece that they've been looking for. Uh, it would allow them, you know, better versatility in terms of running up the middle. It allow them, you know, better protection, future better communication, which is a key, mm-hmm. you know, to, to pass blocking and unblocking really uh, so I think you know center has been the biggest question mark on that offensive line and, and Canuck offers an option uh, for the future to help you solve that 
So the last uh, guy that we'll talk about here before we hand out a couple of uh, you know attributes or uh, you know uh, uh, some um, you know I, I I don't even know what I'm trying to go with awards something like that uh, here in the 2022 class. Let's talk about Connor Harrell. Uh, he is last but certainly not least to the guys uh, that we're talking about in this class, and you know he is all over the board. There are some recruiting websites that have him rated. Uh, you know, in the 40s in terms of quarterbacks. There's a couple that have him rated uh, inside of the top 20. He's kind of all over the board, but, um, you know, from watching him, very, very intriguing prospect. I think there is a lot of upside to him. He has a cannon for an arm. This dude can make any throw that he needs to. Um, he, he, you know, he's got pretty solid footwork. I think that's the one area that's probably a little bit of a concern with him, um, but this is a guy that even grew, you know, just from watching him back in his junior season and turning on his film when I uh, did a scouting report on him just a couple of weeks ago uh, when he played in his state title game. You can see the growth from him even from his junior year to his senior year. So uh, there, th- this is one that I think Carolina, again, kind of took a little bit of a flyer on. Remember that Carolina in this class, um, they were targeting a couple other big names in this class, a quarterback, including K. Uh, Kate Klubnik, the five-star who has landed uh, at Clemson and who a lot of people think uh, could end up starting for them next season. Um, they also had Braden Locke in there who went to Mississippi State. So Carolina missed out on both of those guys. Some people thought Carolina wouldn't even take a quarterback in this class, but they took this flyer on Harrell. And the more I watch him, Zach, the more I think that this guy is a, a really, really intriguing guy in this quarterback room and, and, and could potentially factor in here before too long. Yeah, absolutely. He has been hurt in 2021, so that did hurt his overall numbers as well as, um, you know, where he slotted in terms of a ranking. You know, just from what we've seen, I think that this is a guy with tons of upside. I mean, you look at him passing the football, uh, does need to work on his footwork like you mentioned, but does throw a pretty good deep ball. I think he's got some good uh, short to intermediate accuracy, obviously knows how to be a winner, how to be a leader, uh, playing on nationally ranked Thompson High School and Alabaster, Alabama. Um, I think when you look at his running ability as well, which he's not asked to do a ton at the high school level, but when he does, my goodness, is this kid fast. I mean, you watch him run. It's almost like it's hard for the other players to touch him. And and he's not playing, you know, in a small football league there in Alabama. He's playing some legit competition. So I think he gives you somewhat of that athletic ability. I think this past season, somewhat out of necessity, but somewhat out of ingenuity. And that's just part of the Phil Longo offense to some extent. We saw the quarterback, Sam Howell, run the ball a ton. Uh, now, as I mentioned, some of that was out of necessity. They didn't have as many options at running back, running the football. They didn't have as many options at wide receiver. Uh, but that's something that we've seen with other Phil Longo quarterbacks and his other stops before coming to North Carolina. It's an option that they like to have. And I think, you know, when you look at just how dangerous Connor Harrell can be running the football, I, I think that's really one of the things that, you know, uh, as much as his passing ability, his ability to run the football is something that stuck out to me is, you know, that's a big weapon. So I, I think just for that, it, it's not impossible that we could see, you know, maybe a, um, you know, a 
package uh, sort of function around him. Now, huh. do they want to do sort of the two quarterback thing? Maybe not fully, you know, go into that, but maybe just have a package of plays, a few options for him just to spice things up. That's certainly an option. That's certainly something I'll be looking for. Doesn't happen in 2022. I'm not going to say that, but this is a guy that's going to factor into the quarterback discussion moving forward. Like I mentioned, I think he's a high upside guy, and he's one that I'm really excited about, uh, despite where his ranking may be. Yeah, I, I it, it's it's tough, I think, to say that he'll be in the quarterback conversation this upcoming offseason. Now, he is an early enrollee. So, and I think, if I remember correctly, he was not originally expected to be and has now said he is going to be an early enrollee. So that is, it's noteworthy. It's definitely something that I think uh, could work out well in his favor if he can get in there um, and and potentially grasp the offense pretty quickly. Um, But I think, you know, the thing is, is that we, the the quarterback battle has has kind of already started. We saw a, a preview of it in the game against Wofford earlier. Uh, you know, just just a couple of weeks ago, earlier this season, with Drake May and with Jacoby Criswell. So I don't know if he's going to be, uh, you know, in, in, a factor in that. But I mean, look, he, he's definitely a guy that I think, you know, will. If for some reason one of those guys does end up transferring, if they lose the starting job, he's more than capable, I think, of coming in and being a backup uh, right away. And I think he's definitely got the skill set. You're right. Um, he's a guy that is definitely more athletic than people probably realize. Because, yeah, the thing about him is, is you know, I think we saw a little bit of it with Drake May that, you know, he's a guy that just wasn't asked to run a lot in high school because he did so much with his arm. But I don't even think Drake May is as good of an athlete as he is. When he has to go on the run, uh, he is fantastic. He he can absolutely fly, and he is extremely dangerous with his legs. So, yeah, it, it is interesting, and you wonder if, if Drake May can really be that type of running quarterback. And, you know, if from what we've seen from Phil Longo's offense this past year, if that's an element that they're really hell-bent on keeping in the offense, if that is, never really know. Connor Harrell could potentially factor in there sooner rather than later. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you will be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers shots at millions of dollars and total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. Only one per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's hand out a couple of uh, you know a couple of, of, of attributes for this class. I think if you look at uh, this class and, and, and you say to yourself, well, 
who is the guy that you know has the best chance to contribute out of the gate? If you had to pick one guy from this class, there will probably be a couple of guys that will factor in, but if you had to pick one guy from this class, Zach, that you think has the biggest impact in the 2022 season as a true freshman, who do you think it is? You know, this is a tough decision, and I think it's going to come down to the two five-stars. Uh, when you look at this decision, it's really a discussion, you know, with Travis Shaw, it's a discussion of numbers and who's going to be there at the nose guard position. Yep. But in terms of who's the most ready to get on the field early, I think it's Zach Rice. I think his combination just of his overall talent and pedigree, his um, conditioning, as well as his knowledge of the position, and, and I think his versatility, like we mentioned as well, his ability to really slot in at, at, at any four of the uh, offensive line positions outside of center really give him an edge in terms of getting on the football field, factoring into whatever the offensive lines will look like in 2022. You know, so for my pick of who's got to be the most ready to get on the field and contribute day one, I think it's got to be offensive line with Zach Rice. It's a good pick. That's a good pick. I think he's definitely going to have an opportunity there, but I'm going to go with four-star running back George Petaway. I think that you look at the fact that Carolina is losing Ty Chandler. Um, you look at what, you know, we, we talked about the fact that British Brooks is coming back next season, and Mac Brown, when he did talk about Brooks's return, pretty much said that they are going to give him a serious look in the backfield next year, and he will probably be a part of what Carolina does, but what we saw in that game against NC State primarily is that he's a guy that runs with a little bit of an edge. So they're looking for that guy that um, can sort of make people miss in space, a little bit of a shifty, more elusive back, and a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Because as you mentioned, Josh Downs is really your only proven guy there. You're losing Garrett Walston at tight end, which isn't a huge loss, but he's another guy that was sort of a check down type of guy that, uh, you know, safety valve type. Uh, that Sam Howell used this year, and that would have been valuable to whoever is going to be the starting quarterback next year, whether Sam returns or if one of the other guys has to step up. George Petaway kind of fits that role um, in multiple ways, and I think that he'll have an opportunity here for sure. Even if he doesn't start, I think he'll have an opportunity to play a pretty big role here out of the gate, and I think he has a great opportunity uh, to be uh, the, the Tar Heel that sees the most action as a true freshman this upcoming season. I'm with you though, Zach Rice. Definitely worth keeping an eye on. Travis Shaw, just too much talent to keep him off the field for too long. And also, I think Andre Green Jr. is up there as well. You may be saying, well, those are the top four most talented guys, but I think also those are positions where right now you're kind of needing guys at as well. So that's what's best about this class for Carolina is the positions that you're needing the most, you also brought in the most talented players. How about the most underrated guy in this class, Zach? I think there's a there's a couple of guys that you can kind of go back and forth with here, um, and in a class that does have a bunch of four stars and have 12 guys that are ranked inside of the top 500 prospects in the country. Uh, you know, some people may say, well, it's really hard to really look at guys as underrated, but who do you think's an underrated prospect in this class? Yeah, I think, uh, and it's a guy that we just discussed, so I don't want to reiterate some of the same points, but I think it's the quarterback. I think it's Connor mm-hmm. Harrell. I, I, I think at his uh, at his three-star ranking, if he'd have the ability to play a full season uh, of senior football, um, if he'd really have the chance to put um, you know more 
film on tape, I think we would have seen him rise up a little bit more than where he's currently ranked. I like his overall athletic profile. As I mentioned, obviously, the speed on the run and moving. I think that he's got some pretty good touch on the ball. I think that's an underrated aspect of his game. Um, I don't think the high school team that he played on really gave him offensively a chance to show off his full skill set. Um, so I think that you know, coming into the Phil Longo offense, coming into this system that is friendly to the quarterback, it's friendly to you know moving the football and scoring points and being a dynamic athlete. I, I really think that he has the opportunity to flourish uh, in that. So you know, as stated, um, I, I, I think that he's underrated. I think he's one of the more underrated guys, and he's one of the guys that I'm really tabbing as one that I'm watching moving forward in that quarterback room, not necessarily in 2022, you know, but onward into the future. Yeah, so that that was uh, the guy I was thinking about the most of when I thought of this question as well. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely with you. I, I think that, you know, everything you said there, and, and I thought you brought up a great point as well, that, you know, his high school uh, didn't even really get the best out of him because, frankly, they didn't need to. There's so many guys on that Thompson roster. Um, that is one of the one of the factories right now, um, especially when it comes to teams here uh, on the eastern side of the country. You hear about all the powerhouses out west, um, the national powerhouses that have been going head-to-head for years, but Thompson's a team I don't think you hear a whole lot about. They have dominated one of the most difficult classifications in all of the country in the 7A classification in the state of Alabama. Um, so yeah, he, he is definitely uh, a guy that I think is, is underrated. I think, as you mentioned, if he would have played more this year. I think also if, you know, because of COVID, we saw a lot of these prospect camps that were canceled. You had, of course, the team camps, but normally they have the rivals camps. They have the uh, the Elite 11 camps, um, all those different camps that you can go to and shine. If he would have been able to go to some of those camps and go up against some of those highly rated quarterbacks that are ahead of him, he may have been able to show that, look, he's a little bit better than some of the guys um, that, you know, are are currently ranked ahead of him. And I think he's just a guy that uh, people will look back on and say, how was he rated that low? Because I'm with you. I like him a lot. Um, I'll also, you know, throw out another name there just to be a little bit different. I think Bo Atkinson is heavily underrated in this class. You know, when I was previewing, uh, you know, the group last night, I said that, look, I think that one of the big things about Bo Atkinson and one of the reasons that you should feel really confident in what he can do is that remember who the other team was that Carolina was battling for him. And it's it, that's Michigan. And you could say, well, you know, maybe he's just one of those guys that Michigan looked at as a depth piece. That, that might be true, but for Michigan to be after him, is pretty significant. Michigan has been, for a long time, and especially recently, has been one of the best at producing defensive ends that go on to the NFL and have a lot of success and really just tear up the college ranks. And I feel like this is the type of guy that kind of fits the mold that they wanted because he's a physical guy. He plays with his hair on fire. 
And he's, you know, about as technically sound as it gets because he can do everything that you need him to do. He can get after the quarterback, but also does a great job, as I mentioned, and as Zach mentioned a little bit earlier, at taking away the edge in run defense, which Carolina desperately needs. I think there's opportunity on the edge, and I think Atkinson is one of those guys that you're looking at, you know, all those guys that we just talked about as being able to potentially play early. Don't sleep on Bo Atkinson to be one of those guys because there's opportunity there combined with the fact that I think he is more talented than his recruiting ranking would tell you. um, I definitely think he has a chance to factor in. So uh, that closes it down for our look at this uh, 2022 recruiting class, guys. Uh, This one is in the books for Carolina uh, in terms of the early signing period. Now remember, Carolina in two of the first three classes under Mac Brown has landed a guy in the late portion of the uh, of the recruiting cycle. Uh, now, both of them, interestingly enough, have been defensive backs. You had Don Chapman in the first season, who Dre Bly and Mac Brown went out to California to get. Last year, you had Dante Balfour out of the state of Florida. This time around, doesn't really seem to be any obvious targets, although Carolina did just offer last week a three-star defensive tackle out of Cardinal Gibbons High School down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, Not the one that just took home the state title here in the state of North Carolina, Um, but, you know, a a guy that's kind of in the backyard of Miami. He looks to be still early in his recruiting process. Uh, Ahmad Moten is the name. So make sure you keep an eye on him. But it feels like Carolina, I think, is really focusing on the transfer portal. And there's a bunch of guys that Carolina is looking at there. They hosted a few guys on campus this past weekend. Uh, And the positions they seem to be most heavily involved in right now, and kind of predictably so, offensive tackle. Um, One of the guys they hosted uh, this past weekend was Corey Gaynor out of Miami. Um, he's a guy that uh, was recruited, I believe, by Stacy Searles there um, and, and, and factored in there a little bit at Miami in his time there. Uh, you've got you know, wide receivers that Carolina is looking at. There are a bunch of big names that have hit the transfer portal, and Carolina has taken a look, apparently, at a lot of those guys. So Carolina, I think, is looking to add probably either a guy that has the speed to take the top off the defense or maybe somebody uh, that can sort of bridge that gap to Andre. Dre Green Jr. Uh, as that go up and get the football 50-50 type of guy um, that they kind of lack this season. And then also edge rusher, another area where Carolina has been taking a serious look at a couple of guys. Cornerback as well, they're looking to potentially add some depth. So Carolina is hitting the transfer portal um, at this point. They haven't gotten anybody just yet, but it feels like they could be pretty close uh, to landing a couple of guys here that maybe visited over this past week. Weekend. Um, we'll, of course, have you covered with all that stuff on the Heel Tough blog website. Also, the attention is, you know, somewhat shifting to that 23 class. We're keeping an eye on that class. Carolina uh, definitely in some good standing with a couple of guys in state. Another loaded 2023 class in the state of North Carolina. Um, th- this one, I think, rivals the one that we talked about last year in the 2021 class. I think the top-end talent in the state is tremendous. Uh, 
and Carolina, I think, is going to be all over that. They also, of course, have a lot of feelers out uh, in the state of Virginia. They've been adding a bunch of those recently here as well, so uh, Carolina is already getting after it on the 23 trail. They have the quarterback come in in the class in Tad Hudson, so we'll, of course, have you covered on all those fronts uh, as well as we go throughout the next couple of months. Um, you know, on the field, Carolina getting ready and prepared for the Duke's Mayo Bowl against South Carolina. We're going to have you covered on that. We'll have a preview of the game. We'll also, uh, I talked to one of my friends. Uh, she is a reporter for Gamecock Central, uh, which is the rival site for South Carolina. She helped me uh, take a look at the opponent the that Carolina will face uh, in that bowl game. So you'll also see that coming up. So we'll have you ready uh, to go for that game against South Carolina. And then afterwards, we'll recap the game. That'll be uh, our final, or no, our second to last show uh, on camera this season. And then we will finish up with our final on-camera show of the season. That will be when we hand out the final awards. Me and Josh hand out uh, the awards for the season as we always do, even though uh, Carolina uh, you know, didn't have the year that they were expecting. We will be taking you through all of that uh, and then eventually wrapping up the season on the field and focusing more on that stuff that we just talked about. Uh, you can check uh, all of that stuff out. Heel Tough blog website is the best place to check it all out. All those great articles. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be going through all the off-season stuff as well. We'll final grades will be on there. Uh, we're doing the preview for the bowl game as well as the recap of the bowl game um, and a bunch of other great articles that we'll be writing in the off-season as we uh, cover you uh, while Carolina goes uh, into an off-season that will be extremely important for them ahead of a 2022 season that will be pretty pressure Packed podcast side of things tabs at the top of the page for both the Heel Tough Block podcast and the Four Corners podcast. I've got you covered throughout the off season on there. All that stuff we just talked about will be on there, so make sure you subscribe. Same thing uh, with the Four Corners podcast. We're taking you throughout the entire basketball season for Carolina, which is shaping up pretty well. Carolina with um, you know three of the last four have been really really solid wins for the Tar Heels. Uh, this team is really rounding in to form. Hubert Davis starting to gain some confidence, I think, from uh, Tar Heel fans. So make sure you check out all that great coverage over there on the website uh, and for the podcast. Uh, make sure you check out uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Um, you know, you can check out both of those podcasts in any of those platforms that you listen to podcasts. Make sure when you do, if you check them out on those apps, subscribe to it so that you don't miss any of the additions of the podcast. Also, make sure that you guys head over to the social media pages. Facebook, best place to check out all that stuff that we talked about there. The video editions of the podcast are only available there. Uh, and then you'll have, of course, the audio editions of the podcast as well as all the articles all in one central location on that Facebook page. On Twitter, we share all that same stuff too, so you can follow us there at Heel Tough Blog. That's where I had you covered with our signing day thread today um, when, where we were able to uh, post uh, those tremendous graphics. Really have to shout out uh, my guy Jason McCollum who did a tremendous job with those graphics on such short notice as well. Really want to thank him for coming through uh, for me in that, in that situation there. Uh, he did a tremendous job. Make sure you guys check out his stuff on social media. Uh, it's his name, Jason McCollum, but it's spelled J-A-Y-S-O-N and then McCollum M-C-C- 
O-L-L-U-M on Twitter, so make sure you check him out. Also, check out our social media pages, me at HTV Anthony, Zach at HackZubbard2, and then Josh at HTV Josh. So, that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank uh, Zach for joining me uh, to host tonight. Want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels!